the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is the great white throne judgment. It is a fearful place. It's a place that we'll explore next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. You know, no matter what you take away from Revelation, where you stand as to how you understand it, at the end of the day, one thing is perfectly clear, and there is no no arguing the fact. There is going to be a final judgment, and where you end up matters today. We invite you to join us as we understand Revelation as a primer for evangelism. The Great White Throne Judgment is up for discussion. Join us in Revelation chapter 20. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Now, as we have seen over the past several weeks, this chapter tells us about something that is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, and that is about a millennium, about a thousand-year reign of God's people on earth. It also talks about the release of Satan toward the end of time that is not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture either. And remember what all of this is. This is a framework showing that this thousand-year period is not a literal thousand years. The word thousand isn't used literally often in Scripture. It more more often means a long and complete period of time. It has already been 2,000 years since it began because this millennial period, as I've said before, began with the binding of Satan 2,000 years ago. The word Jesus used for binding the strong man in Mark 3 is the same word that is used here in Revelation for the binding of Satan. And during this whole millennial period, Satan is going to to be bound as far as deceiving the nations is concerned, so that the nations will be open to the gospel of Christ. And toward the end of this thousand-year period, which is already 2,000 years long, and who knows how many more years there are to go, after the world has been conquered by the gospel, and it is overwhelmingly Christian, Satan will gather up the remaining non-Christians and hypocrites for one last great attempt to overthrow the city of God, the camp of the saints, the church or the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that attempt on the part of Satan toward the end of the world will be a total failure. And he and his armies And all of his efforts will come to an eternal end with the second coming of Christ. So you have the beginning of the millennium 2,000 years ago at Christ's first coming. 
and it continues for the whole period of time until Christ's second coming at the end of time, which we call the judgment day. And that is what the great white throne judgment is. Someday, historically and literally and gloriously and physically, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return to earth in triumph. He is going to raise everyone from the dead that has ever died in the human race. And then he will cause those who are alive at that time to experience a transformation of resurrection without going through death and will cause them all, saved and lost, everyone to stand before him and be judged. That is why it is called the final day of judgment. Now, all of this is going to take place on the very last day of history. The last day on any calendar will be Judgment Day. When Jesus come back, comes back, he raises all of the dead and they will stand before him. He judges the entire human race. And in judging the human race, he separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep he gathers around him. The goats he sends to hell. While the sheep are gathered around him, he rejuvenates and purges the whole universe with fire, finishes what he began in the perfection of the new heavens and the new earth, and then turns over the new heavens and the new earth to the perfected people to live with him throughout the endless ages of eternity. Nowhere in Scripture, not even once, does it ever say that you should repent and believe in Jesus or you will be left behind. Nowhere ever does it even intimate such a thing. The command of Scripture is repent of your sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, because you are all going to stand before God on Judgment Day, whether you believe it or like it or not. In Paul's great sermon to the Athenian philosophers, he ends it by saying in Acts 17, verses 30 and 31, Therefore, having established, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to all men that all everywhere should repent, because he has fixed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So here is the motivation for repenting of your sins. God has fixed a day, one day, not a series of days, in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Now that's important to bear in mind. Not only does Scripture never say, repent, or you will be left behind. But in the view of the dispensationalists, they say, there are a series of judgments that take place at the end of time. There is one particular book by the former president of Dallas Seminary, whose name is John Wolford, who says there will be eight distinct judgments that take place at the end of the world, and they are going to be different people in each 
of these judgments. It won't be a day of judgment. It is not that God has a fixed day for judgment, but he has fixed days, he says. And in each one of these judgments, some segment of the human race will be judged. And it's quite detailed. Like he he talks about those Jews converted during the tribulation. And then the judgment on the Gentiles converted during the tribulation. Now what Mr. Wolford says about judgment one and judgment eight is, quote, These aren't taught in the Bible. But we need to establish a first and eighth judgment in order to complete our dispensational system, end quote. Well, at least he's honest. But he is saying here, I don't have any scriptural proof for these two judgments. But in order to impose our system upon scripture, we need these two. But beloved, here is why you should repent and believe in Jesus. There is one day of judgment that God has fixed in which, in which every human being will stand before God and be judged. And we call that judgment day at the second coming of Christ. And here in our text, it is called the great white throne judgment. That is, at the very end of history as we know it, and the beginning of the perfected heavens and earth. Notice some things now about this vision in verses 11 through 15 of chapter 20. There was a throne. Now, we have often seen the use of the word throne in the book of Revelation, and it signifies two things, sovereignty and judgment. Whenever you see the word throne in the book of Revelations, thank Revelation, think of those two words. One, God sits on a throne as sovereign Lord and King, governing the entire universe, including all of the church's enemies. And secondly, God sits on a throne that is a throne of judgment before which every person will stand one day in judgment before the end of time. Notice also that it is a great white throne. And to describe it as a great white throne is to point to its magnitude, its majesty, its splendor, its purity. And there is a greater, there is a throne greater than Caesar's. And that, of course, was a great encouragement to the church of the first century. That even though they were being persecuted by Caesar at this point, someday, Caesar and all of the rest of the tyrannical rulers are going to have to stand before a greater throne than their own. It is white. That is, it is majestic, glorious, perfectly just, righteous, and holy. And from the throne, it says, heaven and earth flee away. Now, we've seen this figure before in the book of Revelation. What is it about this throne at the end of time that will cause, at least figuratively speaking, all of the universe to run and to try and hide from it? And at other times when this imagery is used, it has reference to the face of God. It is because of the terrifying look 
that those who remain apostate in the universe see in the face of God. Turn to Revelation 6, verses 12 through 17. I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand. This is on judgment day. There is no hiding place found for anyone. It is an escapable judgment. And the heavens and the earth will be so terrified, so to speak, by the look of the king on the throne towards his enemies that they will flee away. Then it says concerning the great right throne in verse 12, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. Now, in the 20th chapter, the dead has reference to the spiritually dead. When we have seen this before, like in verse 5, the spiritually dead are those who have never experienced the first resurrection. Remember, referring to the new birth. Therefore, they are not only dead spiritually, but they will die a second time physically and eternally. And the second resurrection, that is the resurrection of the body, a physical resurrection, is only experienced by those who have undergone that first resurrection, that is their new birth, and that raises them from spiritual death to spiritual life. So the dead in Revelation, verse, Revelation 20, verse 5, 12, and 13 refer to the unregenerate, the unbelieving in the world, those who are spiritually dead. The emphasis now here in the great white throne judgment is on what will happen to those who remain unbelievers until their death on that day of judgment. That is the focus. Verse 12, And I saw the dead great and small. And that means from insignificant to significant people. Standing before the throne, and books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead, the spiritually dead, were judged from the things that were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Now the figure of the sea... In the book of Revelation, on several occasions, has had reference to restless, unregenerate mankind from which the great beast arises. So this restless sea of spiritually dead people are raised and they stand before the judge. And death and Hades give up the dead which were in them. Now, Hades can sometimes mean hell, eternal hell. And sometimes it can mean 
simply grave. So in the Bible, those who are lost and under the power of sin are often said to be dead. So death and the grave seems to represent all of those who are under the power of sin and death and corruption. In Romans 5.21, we have a similar idea where it says concerning all unbelievers that they are living under the reign of sin unto death. So those who are alive on earth are still under the power of sin, death, and the grave. Now this text is concerned with the retributive judgment of God on the wicked and their final judgment that completes the victory of Christ. That is what we have been reading about throughout the book of Revelation which is that Christ is winning the victory over the first two great enemies of the church in the first century, apostate Judaism and tyrannical Rome. And he continues to win the victory over every apostate institution, every anti-Christian government, and everything else that rises against the church of Christ. And it is progressive throughout history. At the second coming, it is completed. And the idea that all of these unbelieving nations and beasts and spiritually dead people are judged is a picture of the total defeat completing the victory of Christ once and for all. There is nothing beyond judgment day for these unbelieving men and nations, these spiritually dead people, except the fires of hell. That is it. Judgment Day completes the victory of Christ and the defeat of all of his enemies. And the completion of the victory of Christ at his second coming in Judgment Day is a frequent emphasis in the book of Revelation. In fact, Revelation 20 is not the only chapter in the book that ends with this idea of total, complete judgment once and for all, ending the threats of all the enemies of God. Turn to Revelation 14, and I'll start reading with verse 17. Revelation 14, 17, and I'll read down through to verse 20. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one, ha- the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar And he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung a sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Look at chapter uh, 19 of the book of Revelation, and I'll begin reading with verse 19 and go through, through actually 21. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. 
These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So here you have this great supper of vultures showing that Christ's victory is complete. Then the 20th chapter ends with and climaxes with the great day of judgment, the consummation of Christ's victory. Now, I have said that the forces focus of the great white throne judgment is what God is going to do with the unbelievers, the rebels who are against God. That does not mean, however, that the saint is not present. Now, I say that because you have some people, again, the dispensationalist, who believe that at the great white throne judgment, the only people there will be unbelievers and spiritually dead people. And that Christians are not going to go through the great white throne judgment, but are called to stand before the judgment of Christ. Well, that's not true. The phrases, the judgment of Christ and the judgment seat of God are used interchangeably. Some places it says that Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And some places it says they will stand before the judgment seat of God. Because it is one and the same. Even though the dispensationalists like to draw a difference between those two judgments. Let me show you how we know that the focus of the great white throne judgment is what God is going to do with the spiritually dead. The spiritually alive people will be there as well, though. It says in verse 12, And I saw the dead, and great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And that is books that contain the life stories of all of these dead people, so to speak. They had their wicked lives and actions recorded in these books. Of course, all of this is in figurative language, so you've got to keep that in mind. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now, the only people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life are the elect, those who are saved which indicates that they are there at this judgment as well. The spiritually dead were judged by the books that were open containing the story of their wicked lives. And another book, the book of life, was opened at the great white throne judgment, which means the elect also were being judged before God. But... The focus of the chapter is on what God does with the non-elect. You can go through the book of Revelations, chapters 13, 21, 17, 22. And many times the book of life is mentioned, and it always has reference to the elect of God. So it's not just the spiritually dead unbelievers who will be at this great white throne judgment, but also the elect of God. Everyone will stand before that judgment. Just like there is going to be only one resurrection at the end of the time, not a series of resurrections. 
When Christ comes back, everyone who has ever lived, whether they are saved or not, the Bible says will be raised from the dead. And all of these people, including those who are living at the time, and all angels, will stand before the throne of God and be judged. One general resurrection, one general judgment day when everyone stands before God. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 